Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Co-produced by Afropunk and How Stuff Works, Afropunk Solution Sessions is a podcast that explores real-world solutions to the problems that marginalized people face. Every Wednesday, co-hosts Bridget Todd and Eve Jeffcoat speak with members of the Afropunk community, celebrated thinkers and community leaders like Stacey Abrams, Matthew Kincaid, and Patrice Cullors about how to resist oppression and stay engaged. Afropunk Solution Sessions is inciting meaningful conversations and motivating people to make a difference. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The thing about you that caught my eye is the same thing that makes me change my mind kind of hard to explain but girl i'll try you need to sit down this may take a while see this girl she sort of looks just like you 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 (laughs) i was gonna do it She even smiles just the way you do. So innocent she seemed, but I was too. I'm reminded when I look at you. You remind me of a girl that I once knew. See your face whenever I, I look at you. What do you want? She put me through. This, this is why I just can't get real. Oh my goodness. Praise the Urshers. No, never, actually. No, never. We won't do that, actually. But praise <laughs> the Lord, niggas. Welcome back. It's episode 67 of Getting Drunk with Jade and Kia. I'm Kia. I'm Jade. We are back to talk about adulting the good, the bad, the ugly. The test of trials, the twist of turns, the temptations and the taxes of being an adult in the year of our Lord, 2018. It's hot. Jokes. It's hot. Nigga, as hell, my titties have been leaking. Oh, my God. I'm not even pregnant. <laughs> oh, my word. I was standing in Jamaica. Oh, my God. So I was about to call 311 on this Jamaican spot by my crib because... You're always about to call somebody on something. You know, you know, it's my inner white woman. So, and my inner old black woman. So I'm saying in this Jamaican spot, okay, you know how hot it was yesterday. You know how hot it has been. 
We walk into this spot to go get some jerk chicken to go along with like some sides we have at the crib. And soon as we get in there, both me and Tristan are like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why is this so ungodly? We have stepped directly into hell. This is exactly what this is. <clears throat> Nigga, it was so hot in there that when we walked outside, it was cool and refreshing. <laughs> I'm I'm not exaggerating. I promise you all on everything that I know and love. It was so hot. My titties started leaking, my eyebrows, my eyelashes, my nose hairs, everything oh was sweating. God. Everything was sweating. It's, I remember it's in high school, my friend Pam and I, shout out to Pam. I love for, somebody named Pam. When we uh <laughs> get hot. You know, like in high school we didn't have no AC. In many of the classrooms, well, the classrooms had ACs, but there was no AC in the hallways. And our school was like 80% windows. So in the hallways, it was like all windows. So it would like literally be like a convection. <laughs> and oh, that's how it, it would just, It would just be hot and wet. There'd be all this condensation. It was just too much, right? That so we would just be loud in the hallways because that's what we would do. And be like, uh, just loud, just yelling, hey, Pam. And she'd be like, hey, girl. And she'd be like, what's wrong? Pam would be like, my kneecaps is sweating. <laughs> like, just unreasonably, like, just ignorant. Like, this would be like while someone would be in English class, right? We would just be out in the hallway talking about, girl, the back of my knees is wet. <laughs> it's ugly hot. Oh, Jesus. Just, just, just really. East side high levels of <laughs> nonsense and foolery. And Mr. Clark about to pop out. I was like, I, I, because you don't <laughs> talk like that to Mr. Clark. I told you. <laughs> I just like in, in uh, cause, you know, it was an atrium, and I, I didn't, I didn't get suspended, thankfully, because the Lord is gracious. But I should have been because I stood in the middle of the atrium, and my friend Serena was at the top of the stairs, and she would say, "Keep singing." Oh, when like, you were doing like, the Little Mermaid, like, ah, <laughs> ignorant. She's like, keep singing, ah. ignorant. <laughs> That's one of Fury's favorite stories. When I told him that the first time, he lost it. I was like, just imagine a high school filled with children. And my high school was really like it was on the larger side. It was about two thousand to twenty five hundred kids mm. in the building. And everyone's just hustling and bustling, and I'm just standing in the middle of all of this, singing like Ariel, the top of my <laughs> full chest voice. Ha! <laughs> just dumb. It's a wonder, really, really. I should have been put out of that school so many times. And Serena would be at the top and says, "Like keep singing." Ha! <laughs> Like, girl, that, every time I hear it, it's like I never heard it, and it takes me down. You know, God has really been looking out for me my whole life. I should have been put out of that school several Even in your ignorance. Especially in my <laughs> ignorance. But yeah, man, it's hot. The heat index, according to my phone, the heat index said it was 100. It felt like it was 108 degrees in Washington, D.C. Oh. today. And it was just like, are you kidding me? Um I don't know, man. We walked outside for lunch and we, it was immediately like, oh, hell no. It's like everyone's walking around with the same face. Like, <laughs> we all look like the cry face emoji just in the street. Like, Ooh, Jesus. 
Help us. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, I hope you guys are staying cool, moisturizing your situations. Not too much, though, because you've put on too much lotion in this kind of, in this kind of sweat. You will literally suffocate yourself to death. Oh, listen. Just your body will sliding out of your clothes. So. Right? <laughs> sliding right out of your clothes. Just a thin layer. <laughs> Just a thin layer. But you have to drink your water because the sweat is real and you will be dehydrated in a mug out here because the perspiration will take you over. But yeah, man, what's going on, sis? Aside from it being unreasonably hot outside. Just unreasonably hot. You know, niggas are still working, even in the heat. Um, we had Noah's Wrinkling Time party this weekend. It looked like it was perfect. It was whimsical. Yes. Um, flower crowns galore in the park and barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Two of my favorite things, watermelon. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was just great. It was just, good, it was just a good time. Games for the kids, like... You know, we had a good time. There's a little splash pad close because, you know, it was hot. Yes, it was. It was burning up, but your girl had a blast. Burning Rode her up. new bike. My heart is like burning My heart is up. like burning up. Was it EPMD that had that song? I'm hot. I'm hot just like <laughs> nothing. Ooh. I'm hot. That's Marvin Gaye sample, honey. I love it. I love I love. I sing... Come live with me to Noah the entire time she was in my belly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and you wonder why your child is 65 years old, but that's. <laughs> Every day I'm like, come live with me, <laughs> angel. Come live with me and come. I just. I just love how Black Marvin Gaye was. I just felt like he would have been like my cool uncle friend. Like I feel like he would always have like really, really amazing homemade lemonade in his refrigerator at all times. And he I could always borrow a kufi. And I feel like he would season the hell out of some catfish, honey. Oh, what we what we know he seasoned the hell out of some grits. Ah! Oh, <laughs> you ain't right. You ain't right. I'm not, but it's true. I'm hot. <laughs> I'm hot just mm-hmm. like loving. Ooh, I'm hot. All right. Let's get into it, man, because I got to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Nigga, it's late. Uh, trash. Let's take out some trash. All right. Cue the cleanup woman. A cleanup woman. Time for it's trash. The most dreadful portion of the show. <laughs> Go for I it. think it's it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's, fun. it's, fun. it's totally so, fun. I know you don't watch Power. That is correct. I mean, hope you I'll give you all time to gasp and clutch your pearls. Go ahead. I already did mine, so you guys go ahead. <laughs> so Kia doesn't watch Power. Not because I, do. I don't want to, but just I can't afford Showtime and HBO, and I have committed to the, to Issa. <laughs> and I told her she could use my login. I would so have we to, got get, to get her up on Power. Up. You have four seasons to get. I caught know, up man. On. I don't have that kind of time. Sis, I need you to get into it. Oh, I need you to. to it's good. It. It's like it's like the nigga version of Game of Thrones. Is it? Yes. Tristan brought out a good point. He t- he said Game of Thrones has no heroes. They're all it's villains. all anti-heroes. They're all anti-heroes. They're all villains. So and some villains, some anti-heroes, some villains. Power has no heroes. None. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for you all since it just came out. I'm going to give you a week to catch up and just know that next week I'm going to get into it. But I hate Tariq. Well, anyway, that being said, he's got to go. Um, 
Black Ink Crew, Chicago. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts, please. I mean, Lily hit, what's the name, Danielle with the whop, she didn't even get a two-piece combo. She got a three-piece combo. Man, she had red beans and rice and, and, and mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> I mean, and it was biscuit. quick. And Danielle wants to sit there like, you know, she wasn't just, I don't know. Yo, Lily, Dan, I don't know. I was annoyed with how Danielle carried that. Like, you can't just get punched in your face repeatedly and sit there like you didn't get punched in your face repeatedly because you're just going to look. Especially when you you didn't really, she didn't really, I'm going to say, Danielle didn't really ask to be punched in the face. Like she didn't, Lily was just, had just had enough. She was irritated. And she I feel like. She was irritated and she resorted to these hands. Yeah, I I have to admit though I fell asleep on the episode. I need to go back and watch. I'm not really sure how this did 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 four and four's fine girlfriend have the threesome with the white lady. No, because the white lady ended up getting really drunk and making out with the bartender. Oh well, there you go. So he didn't get to have you know any fun. Um, he probably would have been too tired anyway. Right. Uh, so we can. I'm gonna let you finish. Black and Crew Chicago. No, I mean, like you know, we, they're, they're back in the shop, right? So they have. So they're back in the shop. They are now loyal ink, right? So black. So um, R- Ryan has opened a new shop. He has some drunk ass. Yo, what was that? What was that? <laughs> I was. I was so puzzled. My girl tiptoed in like Mr. Tumnus and who the comes line to of work? Who comes to work like that? Yo. I have never been to work drunk. I Jill mean, Scott, Jill Scott comes to work. <laughs> oh my god, Jill Scott stresses me out, and I don't have any problem saying she's it. like fake deep to me, and it gets on my nerves. She is. It gets on my like nerves. Like from her Bill Cosby apologizing to um, apologizing, excuse me, to um, so Jill Scott, her newest antics. Black and Crew Chicago. We'll talk about it next week. Her newest antics. Jill Scott went to my homegirl store in Philly. Shout like out I to the saw, Sable Collective. I saw it on the on the Sable Collective's IG, but I don't feel like I watched the whole video because you know I I have to take I know. chili in doses. I know. Just after she's after she so apologized much. for Bill Cosby and after she said that Black Friday meant that they sold niggas on Fridays um, during slavery. <sighs> I just did not see it. I could not for her anymore. Now I can still listen to her music. She's not canceled. And no, no, music. No. You just can't talk to me. You, only you know what I'm me. saying? That's it. Yes, that that part. So she literally don't say nope. Keep singing. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Do you want? But she was at my homegirl store and didn't shout the damn store out. She just got in the selfie camera video FaceTime and, and just said a bunch of nothings. Evident drunk. I said, well, what were you drinking? She was drunk. D-R-O-W-N-K. <laughs> drunk. <laughs> she was drunk. So, I was irritated. I was irritated for my homegirl. I'm like, but she didn't shout the store out. I even commented on the Instagram. I was like, but shout out to black businesses. God damn. Oh. Oh. Jillian from Jillian. Philly. She wasn't even supposed to make it to the trash. But anyway. Uh, LeBron James is going to Los Angeles if you care. <laughs> Man, I do care, but mainly because I just really want to see Savannah and give her a high five. Because <laughs> you know you this was only Savannah. That, <laughs> Savannah's like, I don't want to live in Ohio anymore. She put her foot down. She's like, I want to, I want my Louboutins to be appreciated. I don't want to live in in. Ohio any longer. 154 million for four years. 
My, my God. God, indeed. My God. She said, fix it. <laughs> nah, Savannah's <laughs> just, just out here. She's just out here winning. I, I respect it. I can't get mad at it. She married her high school sweetheart and she did the ultimate glow up. I got <laughs> like, some respect. Put some respect on Savannah's name. Like she tumbled. Like her glow up is tumbling like that soccer player. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Please move on. The Please soccer move on. <laughs> the soccer player <laughs> in the World Cup who started tumbling and they turned it into a video game. You are just tickled. I'm sorry. Beyond. I am. Uh, so LeBron James goes to LA. DeMarcus Cousins is going to the Warriors. I don't have anything to say about that because I don't really know what they They're just stacking the deck. Well, I mean, it'll make it'll make for I, interesting. I don't know, man. I don't know. The West that's what I learned through my husband and my brother-in-law's conversation, um, that that seems to be an extreme move. I mean, <laughs> so, we will see. Time will tell. The NBA is about to be interesting again, I think. I hope so because I think that's why I fell off and I don't really know who anybody is outside of um, – Old boy Harding because of his beard and I just it is he just really irritates me his whole face, um, and then Russell Westbrook because he looks like um, one of the little dinosaurs from from uh, Lamb. He Time. really does look like he could. All he um, needs is the flannel shirt. Petri, Petri. Um, <laughs> like I know him. I you know obviously we all know LeBron James and there's a whole bunch more. But I watched basketball in my prime of basketball. It was like. When Chauncey Billups was playing and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Paul Pierce and uh, Rondo came in, he was a rookie and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Like that was my basketball days. That's when I kept up with it. Um, But I haven't kept up in quite some time. So I just keep hearing about DeMarcus Cousins. So I assume he's great. But I know he's going to play with the little mashed potato boy uh, for the (laughs) Warriors. Dear Jesus. You know he looks like a bowl of mashed potatoes. Uh, well, what's next in trash, girl? Jay-Z is releasing a documentary on Trayvon Martin. It has uh, a release date, right? Yep. It's going to be released July 30th on the Paramount Network. So I excite. I excite. Yeah. So save your, set your, set your clocks, set your DVRs. Um, Monique wants you all to stop running your mouths about the $10 million that she is not making. Oh, Monique. And she also wants Lee Daniels to shut his mouth. <laughs> what rhymes, what starts with H and rhymes what with start, jokes? What rhymes with jokes and starts with an H? It's a, a goddamn hoax. hoax. <laughs> I just can't wait to be that kind of black woman and speaking cliches. And sit on my condominium balcony and make videos. I can't wait. Cannot I can't wait. wait. It's going to be so much fun to just say all of the crazy things that our aunties and mamas say. Like, Or I'm going to be like um, the dark skin Aunt Viv and start making videos in my kitchen and putting it in that little superhero. Um, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, something is wrong with, <laughs> with uh, Janet Hubert. Um, California might be split come November into three separate states. California really just trying to break up the largest Democratic that's all the, that's uh, really all that's they're true. doing. They think that they see this is the handmaid still happening, but that's what they're trying to do. Gilead's about to become a thing. Ludacris threatened a fan who threw a solo cup of him at a show, and we saw old Ludacris come out. Well, okay. And I was I don't know. and I was pleased. 
Something about that just warmed my heart. It really did. I saw it. He said, don't make me come off this motherfucking stage and whoop your ass. That's it. I would have been. like, I yes. beat that nigga named Luda, a.k.a. L-O-V-A, L-O-V-A. Like, I said, yes. I, I, was, I was so pleased. Yes. Um, And then lastly, in the trash, which is not good, but good news at the same time. It's not good because of the context of it. But Harvey Weinstein is facing three counts of sexual assault and he could face life in prison. Well, Jesus, if he's convicted. Hallelujah. So hopefully he will be um, and get his due because uh, he got what's coming to him. So and that's the trash this week. Oh, amen. That's the trash this week. Let's move on to a shout out to our hermanas. Holy, do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Holy, do it. My sister's popping right now. Like. Buenos dias, hermanas. Hermanos. Uh, so our shout out to my sis this week, since we are now wrapped up with graduation announcements. Thank you to everybody who sent them in mm-hmm. um, all season. You know, me and Kia, that is our highlight of the year to be able to read about you guys' accomplishments. And we can't wait to get back into it in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're back to our regular shout out to my sis. And mm-hmm. this week, our shout out is for Nurturing Possibilities. Um, you can find them on IG at Nurturing Possibilities LLC. Also at nurturingpossibilitiesllc.com. We'll be sure to post all of the links in the description box. Um, So my good friend who heads Nurturing Possibilities and is the founder is working on her PhD right now. Um, And so she's she's working on, uh, I think it's in mental health. And so the next event is on July 7th from 1230 to 2. And it is the misdiagnosis of black boys, mental health through through music. So. You'll be able to click on the link in the description box, check out the Instagram in the description box to be able to get more information off of the website. But that is July 7th in Washington, D.C. Nice. So that is our shout out this week. I also want to give a quick shout out to Lone Body Care for holding your girl down in the sweltering heat. Um, I'm not out here funky. I smell like lavender even at the end of the day. So. Make sure you all get you some loan body care. You can get on a subscription plan with them. You never have to go to the store and go get yourself any deodorant again. That's a black-owned so, yeah. business, right? No, it's not a black-owned business, but it is a woman-owned business. Oh, uh-huh. all right. Girl power. Girl power. Uh, and they are also um, sponsors of Friends Wellness Tour. So Love it. Check out Lone Body Care. I definitely advocate for them. I use the citrus, um, oh. the lavender. They have a mint. Uh, and there was one, I, I used to have a, a coconut lime that I really liked. I want them to bring that back. That was nice. Very nice. Very, 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 very nice. Um, well, so let's yeah. move ourselves on to the kitchen table talk. All right, then it's time to gather around the kitchen table for some chitter chatter. Um, this week we're going to talk about our moms. Well, not specifically, but we're going to talk about, uh, relationships with moms, um, and what, those what that looks like what that means um how we navigate those things as as black women and women of color um several of our listeners have reached out to us and shared a um website or an mm-hmm. article that was published on madamnoir.com that was that's entitled the strain relationship between black mothers and their daughters 
uh, was written um, by a young woman who I'm sure I'm going to pronounce your name, your last name wrong, but bear with me. It's Ara Eloa Boogie. See, bougie. <laughs> Check boo. Eloa bougie. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, boogie chuku. Yeah, that. I'm so sorry. I promise. Yeah, boogie chuku, I think. Elo. Is that an L or an I? It's an L. Elo. And maybe it's an L and an I. I don't, I don't. Well, we can read, but either way. Um, yes. 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 I got it. Dreamer. Well, you did that, honey. I struggled. But anyway, uh, Ara wrote an article um, that, you know, really thought provoking piece about, you know, how Black women relate to their mothers and speci- even more specifically, how we're socialized, how our, how our relationships with our mothers has implications for how we exist and operate within, within our adult lives. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of, lots of, um, so the article I, I liked, there were some things and, you know, and, and kind of some, some, some aspects of the article that I didn't quite agree with, but overall, I think it's, a, it, you know, will serve as a basis for a useful conversation. So I just thought we would chit chat about it around the kitchen table. Um, so I'm going to read a segment of it and then hopefully, um, you know, pose a question that will kick off our conversation. So um, it says, I know my mother loves me, not because she was the most loving, affectionate mother in the world or because she was all fluent in all five love languages, but mainly because I chose to believe that everything my mother did, she did out of love even the things that didn't feel too much like love. Growing up, Mm -hmm. my mother had three jobs, provide the necessities, keep me from being fast, and remind me that we weren't friends. And boy, did she do her job so well at times that it felt like being her child was just as much a job as her being my mother. Mm. So that resonated with me for for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons. And I I feel like before we have this, before we jump in, I want to preface this by saying, this is not a, a conversation where we'll bash our moms or, Mm-mm. you know. But it is honest. Yeah, it is very honest. Um, and, and we're not doing it to, you know, embarrass our families or anything like that. But just more so, just kind of, just just have some real conversation about the ways that our mother-daughter relationships have shaped different aspects of our lives. So, And I know we had a, um, my bad. No, 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 go ahead. Um, we had a, a previous episode very early on, uh, I get it from my mama, which was more so about us turning into our mothers. And there might be a couple repeated things just because that kind of falls into the conversation. But we realized that in reading this article <clears throat> and a lot of conversation that we already have with one another, that uh, a strained relationship between Black mothers and daughters is actually a lot more common than... Um, than probably one would think. A lot of people I know think that they're on their own when it comes to that, but there's a lot of people, self-included, who struggle with that. Um, and so, like Kia said, to reiterate, we're not here to bash our mothers, but we do want to have honest and open conversation because that is a struggle that we're all, that a lot of us are dealing with, excuse me. Um, and if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you. Right. But I know that 
I know that I deal with it, and I know a lot of us who do deal with it, and uh, we think it's something important to talk about. Agreed. Um, so, sis, I'm going to ask you, what? How would you describe your relationship with your mom? You know, as a as a, as a child, as a teen, um, versus how you would describe your relationship with your mom right now. Like, are there are there differences? Um, in nature or, you know, of, the, of y'all's relationships? What did it look like then? What does it look like now? My mom was a very Black mother. <laughs> um, and I quote, growing up, my mother had three jobs. Provide the necessities, <laughs> keep me from being fast, or remind me that we were friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, growing up, my, you know, my mom was, was a disciplinarian. Like, I was disciplined by my father. Like, he was, you know, he was very involved. They were married. Um but and I was disciplined by him, but he still was a lot more lenient than my mother was. My mother was a lot more strict um, to the point where I didn't always understand it. I thought it was just her telling us, no, she didn't want us to have no fun with anything. But um, and I also. I had a, it was almost kind of a fearful thing a lot of times because I was always scared of her reactions to things as opposed to needing to go to her about certain things. And I think that that carried into adulthood because she still sometimes keeps the same mentality of you're my child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we, uh, my mother is not speaking to me to be perfectly honest with you all right now, right now. Um, and, you know, in the last conversation we had, my mother said to me, you know, you're my child and something, something, something. And I was like, I'm your child, but I'm not a child. So, you know, I still respect you as my mother, but, we need to be able to have open conversation and respect each other's differences in order for it to be progressive. And uh, sometimes that's a struggle. Agreed. Um, I think a lot of times moms, moms, I don't know, I want to speak for all moms generally, but I have definitely had experiences where my mom felt like compliance equals respect. Like in order Mm -hmm. for me to respect her, I had to do what she says or agree with what she says or, um, you know, all of that. And that speaks to the nature of our relationship as, you know, when, when I was growing up. So I really, really felt like it was, it was outcome based, (laughs) um, as a child. I think our, our, our dynamic was different. And I mean, y'all, I, I may have said this before because I say this often. I feel like my relationship with my mom, like I, I felt like I was my mom's staff growing up and my brother was her son. Um, I think she, she had an expectation, she had expectations of me. I had deliverables. There were things that she required. Um, of our dynamic that, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, in one, one of the things that I was missing from that is like that nurturing space. I don't feel like, you know, the, the t- uh, our mother daughter moments were fewer and far between when I was younger. Now, after I got grown, um, that changed, but I think that the ways that we interacted, those transactional kind of interactions that we had as I was growing up, definitely shaped the way that I kind of give and receive and perceive love. Um, 
you know, in, in ways. And I feel like those that's one of the ways that I can see it manifesting in my adult life. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think, sorry. In the article, the author raises three specific points about the ways that, like, gives, provides three specific examples of the ways that relation, mother-daughter relationships um, can be strained between Black moms and Black daughters. She talks about moms uh, struggling with accountability um, mm-hmm. or feeling like any, any not wanting to discuss anything like if, if there was ever any grievance or issue that a daughter has against her mother when when that conversation is broached it's always like you know um, a defense you know a, a defensive response a defense and a justification yeah so it's like and, and it's always it always reverts back to like but i provided for you you had what you needed um you know don't don't ask me about how you were treated when you had food and clothing and shelter. Um, because, you know, those were my priorities. Um, and I thought that that was especially, I thought that was especially interesting because growing up now, I feel like I have different perspective and I'm able to see the ways in which my mom was not only a mom, but my mom was a woman. Um, so I, I, I can kind of see, um, why she would get defensive because in, in my specific situation, my mom was acting, you know, fulfilling both parental roles at the time. Um, and you know, she was doing all that she could. So I could see why her, any kind of complaint would be met with the response of like, how dare you say that this is not enough when I'm literally working my fingers to the bone to ensure that you guys have what you need. Um, but she, uh, the author makes an interesting, an interesting point for many black mothers, the idea that you could ever be guilty of any wrongdoing against their child, a person that they take care of is just absurd. Instead, they remind you that they're slightly capable of benevolence by inviting you to complete some menial tasks with them. So like a reinvitation to their space. It should, it mm-hmm. should then come as no surprise that as we become women, we continue to accept deflection and pleasantry in place of old apologies. Um, so like she uses the example of like, you know, her and her sisters will confront her mom about something, you know, mom, we don't like it when you do this or when you do this, this mm-hmm. makes us feel like X, Y, Z. And sh- her mom would get defensive and, mm-hmm. you know, hear them, but, you know, always provide some sort of justification. And then her attempt to make amends wouldn't be like, I'm sorry, or I know that I was wrong. It would be like, you want to go to the store with me? Uh (laughs) You want to run this errand with me? Come on, girl, let's go. Let's go to the store. Um, So I I feel like that was something that that I could connect to. How about you? Same. That is the same thing. My mother rarely apologized. My father, did my father apologize? He would apologize. My mother rarely apologized. It'd just be like, hmm. all right, I'm going to take you to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, or, you know, that was her little thing. She'd take us, you know, somewhere on Friday. We can get whatever we want to eat or whatever. But, like, she wouldn't really apologize. And it was very defensive. And I grew up with a sister. Yeah. 
So both of us would go to her and be like, yo, like, that was really mean. <laughs> like, you weren't, that was really mean what you said or how you acted or whatever. Like, we don't think you should have came at us like that. Like, come on, let's have a, let's talk. And she would not be trying to hear it at all. Like, she was not trying to hear us. It's like, y'all the children, shut up, get exactly. out of here. And, you know, I don't need to listen to you right now. I don't have to listen. I don't have to do nothing. And that's not always it's not always the best attitude um, because we have to remember, especially me um, right now, like right in this current moment that we have, you know, our example is so key to our children. And we talk about that. We talked about that last week on getting grown. We talked about that on friend zone. We talk about it all the time, but our example is so key. And if I don't teach you to have some humility through my actions such as apologizing when I'm wrong, because adults can be wrong when it comes to kids. If I don't teach you about that humility through my actions, then how am I going to tell you to be that type of person? Agreed. And it also... How are you going to grow up to be a humble person and you're not growing up with humble people leading you by example? Yes, absolutely. And that, that lack of transparency, you know, from, from moms, um, often leads to kind of like, uh, it also can lead to unreasonable expectations of, you know, or, or, or altered perceptions of like, this is not real life, right? So um, my mom, one of the things that was a frustration for me is that my mom always presented herself as one who did what she was supposed to do, was never, ever wrong. Um, and she didn't make any mistakes. If she did, she suffered the consequences and then learned from that mistake immediately and never made that mistake again. And I think a lot of that (laughs) pressure carried over into her expectations of me such that it was really, really hard for me to come to my mom when I was scared or afraid or when Mm -hmm. I had messed up. Um, and that was that, that, um, safe space did not exist within our relationship at critical, critical times. So when I had questions Mm -hmm. about sex or relationships as, you know, in high school or in college, um, I didn't feel like I could talk to my mother about it because she had set a standard such that I was supposed to know better when it comes to these things. And that was tough to navigate. Um, because, you know, when you don't, you can't go to your mom, a lot of times you go to your friends or you go to other people in your life who may or may not uh, give you the best advice, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's one of the things going forward, you know, if I ever if, if I ever get the opportunity to be a mom and especially to a daughter, I think that that's one of the things I'm going to try to be conscious of is like, you know, finding that balance between having a standard for your children and establishing that such that, you know, I'm the mom and these, this is what my expectation Mm -hmm. is, but you can always feel safe enough to say, you know, I'm struggling to meet this expectation. Um, or, you know, and, and, and me being open enough to say, Hey girl, there were times where I didn't meet it either. And let's just talk about that. So so you don't feel alone. Absolutely. I, I told you all, I think I told the story on the other mother episode, but a a huge thing that's carried over um, with, like I said, with my mother, and it's such a big thing, um, is is like a distrusting factor. And 
and also that secrecy as well that you spoke about. Cause like, so I told you, I said before, I was like, when my ex-fiance called our wedding off, that's the first time that I heard that my father did the same thing to my mother. That's the first time that these niggas opened <laughs> their mouth and my mom was like, oh, your father did the same thing to me. I'm like, but y'all got married. Like you got married in, in, in Mimi and Papa's living room. And she's like, oh yeah, girl, that was, that was the rushed wedding. The original wedding was called off because your father had a girlfriend. I was like, ah! <laughs> literally a mirrored situation. Exact same thing happened to me. And like, it was a whole to do. And they did end up getting married. That did not happen for me, but they did end up getting married, but I didn't know about that until this shit happened to me. That is something, something's wrong with that. So do and you think we, that if you had known that your mom had had that experience that you would have been more prompt, more, it would have been, maybe you wouldn't have had to go through it. Um, not even necessarily that I wouldn't have had to go through it, but I, I think I might not have felt so alone. Cause even after it happened, her reaction to it is like, okay, if this happened to you, like there were obviously there was a huge level of sympathy that she had, but, at the same time, you know, she started going into these other tangents about, well, you know, I just don't want, and she would talk to my cousin. She would always, that was another thing that irritated me. She talked to my cousin and would not talk to me. She like, I just don't want Jade going, you know, down a wrong, like, I just don't want her doing things she's going to regret because this nigga pulled these stunts. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, she was alluding to the fact that she had probably done some things she wasn't too proud of in lieu of her heartbreak or whatever, but she never would say what it was. And I'm like, if you would open your mouth and talk to me about your experience and just be candid with me, because clearly I'm an adult, I'm going through something very serious right now. Like, and you had an exact same situation and you keep talking around it, but you won't talk directly about it. And that shit got on my nerves. And I'm like, we could really bond here. Like, we could really have a moment here where if you would just open up and stop being so stifled and worried about the fact that we're your children and know that maybe some of the things that you've gone through will help us in the future, things might be a little bit different. Do you think that that pressure is about something, though? Like, I think that, well, as a mom, can you speak to that? Like, is there a pressure for you to you know, carry this, this image of perfection around your um, child or, you know, do you feel like, do, is it that parents feel like in order for me to enforce this rule, I have to act like I never, ever broke it? <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think because I think parents are so afraid of judgment from their children and that they might use it against them and that they feel like the when when you talk about leading by example, they think that leading by example is lying as if you've never gone through something and it's unrealistic. And I think that if a lot more, especially parents of color, would let those walls down and those guards down and really speak very candidly to their children like, yo, I did this because a lot if you like a lot of. I'm not going to just say fathers because there are a lot of mothers who are very open, but we're speaking about a specific type of mother that we grew up with. Right. And I don't um, want to generalize. Right. So this, right. this is, we're not saying that all black mothers do this no, or this not had to all. be your experience. We're just kind of talking about the ways in which our relationships with our moms have steered and shaped the ways that we exist in the world today. Absolutely. Cause this whole article as even with some, some things like Kia said that I, I don't necessarily identify or agree with. Um, 
she did make a lot of really good points. And this is my personal experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something that I can speak to, but I know that's not for everybody. Um, but what did you ask me? I'm sorry. Um, do you think that, I don't remember. Do you think that, 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 um, dang, I was, I know, right? I was saying that, um, what, I don't know. I feel like I was talking about the pressure that you feel to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. No, I don't, I don't personally feel the pressure to be perfect because I'm trying to change that, that little narrative there. Um, and even though Noah's super young right now and she doesn't need to know everything, um, I'm trying to change that narrative where when she does get to a point where she starts experiencing things, she doesn't feel like she's going through it alone or she's the first person to ever have done it. And I think that's the problem with a lot of teenagers is that they feel like they're the first and the only to ever have gone through these issues. Right. And I think a lot of that stems from feeling like they're alone because there's a lack of transparency within that 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 parental relationship do you think that it is possible to have that transparency but still enforce the standard of like you know i am the parent and these are my expectations of you know these these are absolutely my expectations of the kind of person that i want to raise you to be um you know but i can still let you know that i didn't get it right all the time I think I think it's very, very, very possible. Like it's about being I mean, it's you know, you might have to hold a few things. You know what I'm saying? Your kids don't need to know about every, you know, I don't know, every incident of fellatio that happened in <laughs> your oh youth. Or, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know every time you gave it up. Like they don't need to know all of that. But at the same time, like you can keep it real with them. And then you can also set an expectation um, without instilling fear. But instilling a respect and instilling that that knowing that they have a safe space there, I think it's very possible. And I think it just comes from the way that we communicate with our children. You know what I'm saying? Discipline is key, but that's not always the first resort. You know what I'm saying? And there's a way for your kids to respect you without them being scared of you. And I think that's where we really need to try to change that. Because I had a fear always of my mother's reactions. I still I have that. <laughs> I still know. I still damn, have though. I, I know that I'm not scared of much, but I, like hurry. And it's, now it's more it's so not, like a Lord. I know she's about to like, I don't even want to hear it right now. I'm not um, even. It's not like. Yeah, I'm sorry. What did you say? No, no, no. You're fine. I'm just saying she can't give me no beating, but <laughs> I still like, I don't want to hear it. That's the thing. It's <laughs> not a fear like she's going, to, like I'm going to get in trouble, but it is just the anxiety around having to to have that conversation. Um, and you know, for me, it's just all about picking my battles at this point in my life. Mm. And mm. it's just, I still don't feel like I can talk to my mother about some things, not because I don't feel like she's open to the conversation, but there are things that I don't feel like my mom has the experience or the exposure to mm -hmm. in order to engage in the conversation in meaningful ways. So I was talking to mm -hmm. Jade before we started recording about how I really, really struggle in talking to my mom about dating and dating relationships, because I don't feel like, I feel like, well, I feel like me and my mother have had completely different dating experiences. <laughs> um, and we dated and we are date. We date. She dated in a world that is separate and distinct from the world that I'm dating within. Mm -hmm. 
and she will never know what it's like to be 35 and have never been married um, and living in a place, you know, away from your family. So like the context that surrounds my experience is something that she will never have any concept of. And I don't feel like she's open to acknowledging that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think she still projects her beliefs, her ideas, her experiences on to mine in ways that don't make sense. Right. Um, so, and, and I mean, the world is just a different world. Like my mom has no complex concept of what Netflix and chill could ever mean. She would be like, you, this man, he, he wants to come into your house <laughs> and do what? He wants to VHS and sleep. I mean, excuse me. Um, but yeah, like she would never, ever get it. And that makes it tough, right? Because I feel like sometimes in spaces where I need to have that kind of advice from an older woman or just, just her perspective about things. I don't feel like I can talk to her about those things because she just sees the world in a different way. Yeah. Much like That's I haven't, st- yeah. I still haven't told her about this show because I, my mom has, a, <laughs> I just, I feel like her apprehension of the internet and me presenting myself on it and what that would mean. Um, I don't think she has any concept of what this means. And, and, and when I think about having to explain it to her, it's just really stressful. So um, as far as she Same. knows, I just work a lot. And I do. <laughs> I do. Um, and I feel like the opportunity will present itself for me to show her. Um, because I think she, need, she would need to, to experience it in a way that to help her see the complexity behind it. That and that is super like that is so key what you just said because my mom knows about the show. My mom knows about both the shows. She don't like it, but she knows about <laughs> them. <laughs> I feel like my entire life my mother has been telling me to watch my filth. She's been kicking me out of her car. I want can you listen to your filth when you get out of my car? Can you watch your mouth? It's always been a watch your mouth <laughs> and watch your filth. Um, but I I think that when she, my mom is, you know, she's social media savvy and all of that. So I think that um, when she sees certain things, when she sees certain interactions and little things that I'll post, she'll be like, well, what is it you do? Like, I don't understand. Like, these people just sit up here and listen to you in your filth all day. (laughs) Like, no, not all day. Not all day. But enough where it actually it actually is a job for me, Ma. Like this is not I think she thinks it's some kind of hobby where I'm I'm fulfilling some sort of need to 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 feel important or something. And she she thinks I sit up on some microphone and do and do nothing. And I'm like, this is actually it's a job. Like there are things that go into it and it's beneficial. It's helpful. And I think that is a huge difference in our generation is that we're able to talk about a lot of things that we're dealing with and going through and that we've experienced to try to uplift and, uh, and uh, build one another. And they just look at it as running your mouth and telling your family secrets and telling too much of your business. Yeah. I think work and concepts of work and what it means, um, you know, identity and how we present and how we, like all that stuff, has, it looks really different now than it did when they Absolutely. were our age. So I can full like even Things as small as like my haircut or my hair color. Um, 
Mm-hmm. My mom has serious reservations <laughs> for how those things impact how I present and how I'm perceived in the world. And I mean, they might, but I think the difference between her and I is that I don't care <laughs> um, right. in the ways that she does. Um, right. And that's still, I feel like that's still a hard hurdle for us to get over. Um, because, and I get it, right? Because they were socialized during a time, you know, when respectability was was a larger conversation than uh, preference, right? It was like a, a means right. for survival. Like it right. was, it was how they were able to kind of navigate and get through and progress to get to the things mm-hmm. and to and to achieve what they wanted to achieve. So I get it, um, but I think the struggle between myself and my family sometimes is that we don't like they don't believe that two things can be true at the same time Mm -hmm. um that the whole notion of absolute truth is something that we struggle with and sometimes it's just easier for me to just not have the conversation um so like when I go home I don't want the whole time that I'm home to be about the fact that I have blonde hair like I would much rather spend time with my family and, and, and love on them and cherish them and appreciate the time that we have together and, you know, really, really just share that space and time. And I don't want to spend it arguing and proving the point as to why I have a podcast or why I'm doing live shows and what that means for my life and my work. And I understand and appreciate and respect their concern but I also want them to respect and appreciate the fact that I can make my own decisions um, and, you know, navigate the consequences and implications of those decisions as a grown adult person. Hey, that is a, <laughs> that is a word. <laughs> so I don't, you know, my parent, we don't live in the same place. And I feel like every time we get together, it's some very long drawn out discussion. About something involving my mm-hmm. life. Usually weed. Oh, my and <laughs> I I don't want to have that conversation constantly because and all, like it's it's just always something. I remember when I, I started getting tattooed. I, I got my first tattoo at like 16. But Yes, yes, um, salt, pepper, ketchup. You know. <laughs> salt, pepper, ketchup. You know what I'm saying? Extra level <laughs> salt. But that's why I got my first one. But, you know, I started getting more visible ones. And my mother, you're not going to get a job. Like, why are you doing that to your body? I made that. I made it. Whoa. Skirt, 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 skirt. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Water. Water. Like, let's just pump your brakes. I love you. I respect you to pieces. But, um. You, you, I appreciate the gift in which I'm living, uh, and, and the canal in which I came from. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand the struggle in which you went through, but, uh, you know, I'm going to be all right. Like I'm going to get a job. I'm going to have a lot of jobs. Now I have like 12. Yeah, man. You know what I'm, I'm out here working. You know, lots of tattoos and lots of jobs. <laughs> so it's fine. And I, and I do, I really understand that a lot of what they feel, you know, me and my mother's last argument was literally about weed. It's like, and I have to, I had, and I told her, I said, if you, if you are willing to have 
a productive conversation in which we may come to a conclusion where we agree to disagree. I was like, we can do that. But I'm just going to let you know I feel differently than you do. And I don't have any problem. You know, I, I'm just letting you know that's what it is. And this has been a long, this has been a, a long conversation. I'm sure. Okay, this conversation has been going on for a very long time. And it's like, I'm still a productive member of society. This is a different day. You know what I'm saying? I'm not David Ruffin out here <laughs> sneaking into, you know, abandoned houses and things. I don't, a spoon, I don't carry a spoon in my backpack oh my God. and a lighter and a pipe. Like, you know, it's just, you know, there's not a belt in there, no needles. Like, it's a completely different type of situation. And if you want to talk about it, and the progression of it, then let's do that. But I need you to hear where I'm coming from. She don't always want to hear where I'm coming from. And that's just, and that's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to segue a bit because I wanted to talk about one more thing before we wrap up the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, the author of the article, um, Ara, Ara, Yes, I hope I'm saying. I'm sorry, sis. Don't cuss right. me out for the butchering your name. I, I don't, don't hate it. Don't we will leave the link in the description box. Um, but she made a point about the ways in which our relationships with our moms have shaped our relationships with other women, um, specifically mm. around friendships and how our moms were, how mothers can be vocal about mm -hmm. um yeah, friends. about your little friends and really kind of setting the tone for distrust, right? Um, she says, a lot mm -hmm. of our mothers are the reason we don't get along with other Black women, and a lot of their mothers are the reason they didn't know any better. I was raised in a home where I learned two things about women very, only, very early on, the first being that they were not to be trusted, and the second being that you didn't keep too many around. Although my mother had friends that were women, she often spoke of them with distrust and anxiousness. Despite her reservations, I knew my mother to keep a moderately active social life, laughing and dancing with women she thought ultimately wanted to see her unhappy, which taught me a great deal about keeping my friends close and my enemies closer, but absolutely nothing about forging healthy, positive relationships with other women. Um, I, 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 I agree with part of that, and I've experienced part of that. I don't think I can say all uh -huh. of it, though. Um. My mom did, I can agree with the sentiment of ha having a few women around and not just women, but people in general. You only go, you go walk away with three good friends in your life. I'm like, uh, I went to Barbados with seven <laughs> and they're actually some of my very best friends. <laughs> so I don't always agree with that sentiment. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I, I have built, a I have built a network of sisters. You know what I'm saying? I have, I don't just have friends. I have sisters. Um, and that's no shade to my actual blood sister. I love my sister. She's the only one that I have, but I have sisters, sister friends, you know what I'm saying? Who I'm very proud to call my friends and there's more than two of them. <laughs> there's more than three right. of them. Um, and so I, I can see where that has been a sentiment in the past. My mother did have a super distrustful attitude when it came to like, you know, friends that I had in the crib or like, she's like, I don't really like you. Like, I don't really want her back over here. Like you said, I don't really want uh -huh. her back over here. I don't like her. And you're like, well, why? I just don't like her. But why? <laughs> why though? Why don't you like her? I just don't. Something about her I don't trust. <laughs> I'm like, but you don't know this girl. You know, and a lot of times they're right, but not always. Right. <laughs> right. 
So what about I think you? That I agree. I think it was a product of, I don't know, I'm just kind of like the work that I'm doing right now and kind of like where I sit at in different, in different spaces in my life. I see things differently uh, or like on a, on a larger or broader scale. So I guess I can, attract, I think about what this says about like society and like what norms and standards are or have been in society, specifically around black people. I think we're socialized to be competitive and contentious uh, because, you know, white folks know that there's so much strength in our community. So they literally mm-hmm. set us up to be, uh, you know, leery and distrustful of one another because they've all convinced us that we're out here chasing the same carrot, right? Because right. they know if they can get us to beat up on one another, then they don't have to worry about us beating up on them. Um, right. And I know that that might be a reach, but I see that in, in this in this scenario because I feel like I can I can recall times when my mom, like you said, has said, you know, I don't like you hanging out with that girl and has not been able to articulate or either chose not to articulate a reason why. Um, and I'm not saying across the board because there were some girls who she turned out to be right about. So, so right, so, exactly. No, exactly. but I, I do, I do definitely <laughs> feel like we are kind of, we are taught by our parents and by our families to be, you know, leery of, of others in ways that may not be healthy. Um, and I think that that really, really can't compromise the power that can, that, that, you know, happens when we all get together and get on the same page and realize that if, Mm -hmm. if we all, you know, doing our own thing, there's enough out here for all of us to eat. Right. And if you out here operating in who you are and I'm out here operating and I, and who I am, and we get together and support each other, then our impact is, you know, maximized. Right. And it multiplies mm-hmm. beyond what it was if, if we all over here being secretive and extra, extra like, oh, we don't trust no girls to keep your circle small and all of that. I'm all for that because I agree that everybody can't go with you. Um, but I think that there are degrees to relationships and we should not be out here training up little little girls and, and, and little boys to think that they're going to get to where they are by themselves because that's just not a realistic or sustainable model. No, and my mom didn't, she didn't teach me that, like, you have to get here all all on your own. I will say that she wasn't, but, and, and she had some justifications for some of her distrust. Um, I remember her, her, her actually opening up at one point as I got a little bit older and letting me know about certain um, family friends that had been around that, you know, there was some grown things happening that I didn't know at the time. There was, you know, some real trifling women like hitting on my dad, like... <laughs> Mess. All kinds of stuff, you know, like mess, just mess. Um, but there were also like I remember one time my mother, like there were elements where she was just distressing for no reason. She had one of my home girls, who's my home, like two, my home girl to this day, one of my closest friends. And my mom was like, I don't like her, you know. I just don't. She never really cared for her. Never had a reason on why. She was like, you know, she took you to the club. She took you to a haunted house. I was like, you do realize I went to the club, right? I went to the haunted and house, and I would have went without her. <laughs> Like I wanted to, I went because I wanted to go. God bless you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You may not like it, but 
your daughter did the exact same thing. You know what I'm saying? And somebody else's mother could be sitting up here looking at me talking about, I don't like her. I don't want that girl back in my house. Um, and that's not how you raised me. So why don't treat my friends like that? Why don't treat my people like that? And I know it was sometimes my mom had a had, has a way sometimes of making, you know, she can be very warm. My parents are super hospitable. They love entertaining. But my mom is also very high stress. So she entertains, but it's to a certain expectation. When things ain't right, she starts getting stressed. She starts stressing us out, stressing us out. And, you know, sometimes it may not go the way that she wants to. And there's somebody there, you know, you hanging out. And it's very much like, uh, can I talk to you for a second? It's very like, make the room uncomfortable. And it don't have to be like that. Absolutely. And that's something that I'd like to change, you know, in how I and how I react with Noah because that's embarrassing and it you know you carry that shit with you and it's like you do i carry i carry it with me to the point even as an adult where it's like yo i have some really close friends and i don't know if i want to necessarily introduce you to them because i don't know how you're gonna make people feel agreed because I, I i i think that one of the things one of the things that i have definitely noticed and perceived is that my my family can have resistance like a straight up aberration to change indifference right um, and, and just because things are different than what we know, what we believe, what we've experienced, that they are in some way wrong. Um, and I don't think that that's, that's altogether fair. And I, I mean, I have really tried in my own way to, yeah. to help my mom and my family to kind of see things differently. Um, mm -hmm. in my own gentle way, right? Because, you know, I'm just, I have to be real and honest. I come from super, super traditional, conservative, Christian, good black stock, right? Like, and, um, yes, you do. And <laughs> there are, there are just certain, certain things that members of my family have never, ever been exposed to. Um, mm -hmm. and as such, they have developed some problematic thinking about, right? And I have been very conscious about taking occasion, taking opportunities as they present themselves to kind of check them on some of the things that they say. Like, yeah, right. you cannot say that. Don't say that no more. Like, that's, that's not true. Like, we don't know that. How do you know that? Questioning and just pushing back yeah. um, in ways that I feel like, you know, this is what it means to get grown and be an adult for real, right? So it's not just about yeah. just carrying on those problematic, like carrying those problematic ideas and notions like from generation to generation. Because when you know better, you do better, right? Right. Like you cannot use the F word anymore. You, you cannot, cannot use it. You cannot. You cannot like, call people those you cannot, things. Like you got to <laughs> stop. Right. And like no more F no, word, no more sword no, fighting, no more any of that. Don't say don't any say of that. Any it's of that. all wrong. And, you know, even about <laughs> like, you know, I've had to check people about, you know, Redskins and Indians and all, some of that, yes. some of that problematic language, yes. like cut that out. All right. That's over. That's canceled. And I mean, and it's no. not just what's been helpful for me. It's like, it's not just like, you know, let me tell you why this is wrong and why you shouldn't say this. But let me tell you that you you go outside and you say some of this stuff outside, you're going to get some pushback from people now. Um, you know, you you have to be conscious of what you say outside of this house. <laughs> um, so yes. I want you to I want you to, to be thoughtful about that um, going forward. And I think that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? I thought that this conversation really is 
on par with what our what our what our show is all about. Because as you get older and as you know better and do better, it's your responsibility to kind of take these lessons and learn them and apply them and carry them on for future generations of your family. Um, mm. You know, even for those of us who've not yet become parents, right? We still got work to do. Right. Um, and having having taking well taking time to think about your relationships with your family and how they ha- how these relationships have been strained or maybe how they have evolved or changed over time is really useful in helping you shape mm-hmm. how you want to live your life as an adult. Um I um I I like I really you know I've been talking about therapy for some time and I you know, you speak really highly yeah, of therapy. It's life changing. I Crystal, will never be the same. Crystal speaks super, super highly of of therapy. My other best friend um, speaks really highly of therapy. And I actually, as I was thinking, because I think because this conversation is not just a conversation that we had right. today uh, for the show. Like this is ongoing because this is a a constant issue that that I know we both deal with. Um, but I want to go to therapy to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. I want to go to therapy to not saying that my parents were bad no, parents. Not at all. They were great Absolutely. parents. My you know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that that's very yes. clear. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I love this. Yeah. Cause, and I thought like Chris, like Kia said, she came from some really good Christian stock. I can really show up to somebody's family's function and they'd be like, uh-uh, she <laughs> no. is not. No, 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 no. And I just knew. I said, I'm gonna walk up in no. this church, and they're gonna see all these tattoos and no, all this. No, <laughs> they no. are going to just be like, but they don't act like that. They didn't act like that at all. They were very warm. They were very loving. They were very receiving. Um, and I can say on every occasion that I've seen Kia's family that they've been super loving. But um, I, that was a tangent. <laughs> I I want to go to therapy to be a better parent because. I just want to be able to change some of those things that I know caused and created a couple of issues that I might have currently. Absolutely. Um, and I don't want Noah to carry that into her adulthood. And we'll have our own share of issues yeah. because we're imperfect Absolutely. human beings. You know what I'm saying? These are, it's family dynamics. You're all, you know, there's going to be, those are the closest people to you fight with the closest people to you. But if I can make this as healthy of an environment as possible by starting with, me dealing with my own shit and and stuff that I've dealt with, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, growing up and carried. I don't want to carry that into how I raise her. And so to try to tweak some of those things, I think therapy is going to be a really good, really good move. Absolutely. I mean, just because not only like working through issues or drama or or problems or stress or challenges, but therapy has really been helpful in just like giving me new insight and new perspective and new understanding about, you know, just kind of the way that I am, who I am and what that means um, for who I want to be. Um, so like we were talking about before the show, like in trying to figure out dating and how I relate to, to men and why it's been like, you know, I feel like I'm banging my head up against this wall <laughs> and it's like not really going nowhere. <laughs> I had a breakthrough with my therapist during one of our first sessions about like, you know, what my ideals were, or what, what this ideal relationship that I was chasing was in relation to how I exist 
in, in, you know, how I exist in relationships, what I believe about relationships, what I was taught about relationships through my mom, you know what I'm saying? And what was modeled for me and really just seeing like, you know, you want to know why you act like this. And you told me how your mother acts like you act like your mother, like your mother didn't teach you how to be in relationship with a man. She taught you how to take care of yourself. That's why all these niggas is asking you why you so busy. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. Like, that's it. that's it. And that kind of perspective, I think, is absolutely critical because it just a lot of times because we exist in our lives, you know, and, and we do so like, you know, in real time, we, we're not we don't have the capacity to look objectively at what we're doing and why mm-hmm. we're doing it and what we could change if we want to see a different result. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, man. That's our weekly plug, right? Yeah. Our weekly plug for therapy. Cause we tend to do that, I guess yeah. now. Yes, but um. it's fine because it's necessary. And I think that a lot of our mothers went to therapy for a lot of the issues that they have that come from their childhood and them growing up and also their personal experiences. I think that if that started sooner, it would Absolutely. shape things differently, but you can't cry over spilled milk. You can only just, you can only do better. Yeah. <laughs> and everything happens for a reason, right? Everything. So we we not we don't have no regrets, no regrets. No, no regrets. <laughs> but um but you know, it's just about like you know, it's all about the process, it's all about the steps. And you got to start from the bottom in order to to get to the top. So yeah. it is what it is and we just going to keep progressing and moving forward like Jay was saying. We were hoping to present this conversation in order to you know, just, you know, get us thinking along the lines of you know, who we are now as grown women and mm-hmm. how that, how that impacts our relationship with our moms. Um, because you know, it does. Right. Yep. So we should, we should, we should be intentional about thinking about these things instead of just like going with the flow. Cause that's sometimes flying by the city of your pants doesn't necessarily lead to the, the outcome that you want. Right. Right. So yeah, we hope it was helpful. Like we, you know, we just want you all to know that, if you are dealing with this, if this is something that you, you know, it sits on your mind, it sits on your heart, you're not the only one. Nope. And, you know, it's just something like Kia said that we have to keep working on. And um, if you don't have a strong relationship with your mama, leave us some tips. <laughs> leave us some information. Give us some insight. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever your situation may be, weigh in on the conversation, as y'all always do in the comments um, and in, on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know, um, you know, join us at the kitchen table because, you know, this is what it's all about. Absolutely. We will see you all next. Oh, no, we have three more segments. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like, are we ending the show right now? No, we we skipping something. We absolutely have like two more segments. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, all right, let's do the on. You want to skip one? We can skip one. Uh, Let's move on to the Odyssey box. All right. <laughs> My dumbass. Co-produced by Afropunk and How Stuff Works, Afropunk Solution Sessions is a podcast that explores real-world solutions to the problems that marginalized people face. From running for political office to restorative justice to activism, Afropunk Solution Sessions arms people with the knowledge and tools they need to affect change and build power in Black communities. Every Wednesday, co-hosts Bridget Todd and Eve Jeffcoat speak with members of the Afropunk community, celebrated thinkers, and community leaders like Stacey Abrams, Matthew Kincaid, and Patrice Cullors about how to resist oppression and stay engaged. 
Afropunk Solution Sessions is inciting meaningful conversations and motivating people to make a difference. Some of these conversations include, what does it mean for Black people to have a seat at the table? How can we expand reproductive rights for marginalized people? How can we reclaim our space? Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Honestly? Truly. All right, let's get into this honesty box. Oh, boy. All right, and they want to be kept anonymous, so we will not say any names. Hi, Jade and Kia. I hope you're both doing well. I've been a listener from the beginning and love the podcast. Keep up the great work and content. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, sis. Here's my conundrum. I'm getting oh. married in September, and we're about to send out wedding invitations. Okay. My fiancé does not want to invite his biological father because he's not really been there for him as a father throughout his life. Oh. Over our relationship of the last four and a half years, I've seen their relationship go through spells of no contact and arguments, as well as some decent spots where they were in contact and were amicable. He's been nice to me on the occasions where we've interacted and was there when we got engaged, so I don't really hold ill will toward him and how he's treated me. My fiance has already told his dad that he would not be receiving recognition as, as such at the wedding and that his dad understood that. On the other side of things, my mom is adamant that my fiance's dad be there since he is still his dad. My own dad passed away in 2016, so it's going to be hard for him not to be there to walk me down the aisle. Our condolences. Uh-huh. I'm really torn on how I feel about all of this. Obviously, I get that his dad has not put in the time and effort to really get that recognition as his dad. So I understand where my fiance is coming from. On the other hand, not inviting him is something that can't be taken back. And who knows how their relationship may change in the future. As another layer to this, my mom is taking care of the bulk of the wedding expense with my fiance and I helping out. Um, When my fiance asked his dad if he could help out with some of the expense, really the rehearsal dinner, he told him he couldn't since he's not currently working. I think that adds another consideration because it does make you feel some type of way for someone to come in and take credit as a father of the groom when he didn't help at all with the wedding or the reception. My parents, just my mom, have always been incredibly supportive. Uh, now just my mom, excuse me, have always been incredibly supportive. And after we get married, we'll be continuing to live with my mom while we save up for a house. My fiance moved in with my mom and me about a year ago to be able to save for the wedding. I say this because it's hard for me to wrap my mind around a parent not supporting their child financially, emotionally, and otherwise, because that's never been my experience. Also, to add more background, my fiance's mom lives out of state about two hours away and is financially not really able to help because she's on disability and raising my fiance's youngest brother as a single parent. But here's the kicker. Even on a fixed income, she and my fiance's brother visited us yesterday at our house, and she asked me what is something we would like off of our registry that we had completed the day before. I pointed out a dish set and she purchased it on the spot, which is the first wedding gift that we will receive. She's embraced me and is very supportive of our relationship. I don't know how to approach things at the wedding if he does come, where he will sit at the ceremony reception, so forth and so on. I'm not sure how to proceed with these types of things. My mom is keeping up appearances kind of person and doesn't, well, we just had a conversation about that, and doesn't want things to appear awkward or strained at the wedding while my fiance isn't an it is what it is kind of person and couldn't care less if his dad isn't there. Though he said that he couldn't be cordial if his dad, or he could be cordial if his dad was there. What should we do? On the financial aspect, is, is it fair to acknowledge him in the key areas in the wedding if he does not contribute? Or should we let bygones be bygones and proceed as if nothing's wrong? So, um, what do you think, sis? I don't feel like this is your call. Mm-mm. I think that... That is your fiance's daddy. <laughs> um, 
And I don't know that this is something that you should involve yourself directly in the decision making about. I think that's just me. I don't know. I don't know mm. if I would if I, I would throw my weight around. If your fiance says he doesn't want him there or he's indifferent about him being there or not, I don't know if if it were me, if I was still kind of be assertive and saying yeah. like, okay, so your dad's going to come and he's going to do X, Y, Z. Because I don't know if if that's your place. Um, that, yeah. I So I, I hope you receive this with love because I mean it with love, but I'm going to be very candid with you. I think both you and your mother are a little bit too involved in that decision. And like Kia said, that's not your decision to make. That's your fiance's decision to make. And if he so chooses to have his father in the wedding in whatever capacity that he's involved that is totally up to him. Absolutely. Um, you placed a lot of importance on financial responsibilities. And while I 1000% understand, because <laughs> it is not expensive, it is expensive to throw anything, you know, I think with uh, the way the, the fragility of their relationship, um, you need to give him that freedom in that space to be able to make the decision on if he wants his father involved and how he wants his father involved and kind of just learn to take a step back when it comes to certain things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you that from experience. Yes, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, just, I'm saying this without saying this, <laughs> but I'm telling you from experience and we all have to learn how to take a back seat when it comes to certain matters that are not, hours to deal with even if they are our partners and Absolutely. being partners means and seeing being partners and being compatible partners and, and having a, a strong relationship includes learning how sometimes you got to let people be what what they want to be and do what they're going to do yeah, um totally. with certain decisions that don't really have anything to do with you yeah, I don't think that you want to be in a position where you would be between this man and his father. No. And I know your mother. Over some money. Yeah, and your mother ain't got no business being no, in between <laughs> any of this. So, no. listen, again, um, we are not at all. You asked for our our opinions and we're, we're just offering them. I don't mm -hmm. really... Like I said, I, I wish you all the best and, and much continued success in your marriage and in your future. But absolutely, congratulations! I really, really feel like this is a case where you should defer to your fiance and whatever he says he wants. Then you say okay and you live your life. Because you need to remember that if it's a decision about your family, and it's something that you might not think he necessarily needs to speak up on you have to he's gonna have to give you that same respect you know what i'm saying and there are matters that you have to deal with together but in certain ones like this you have to learn how to pick your battles and i think this is one that you need to let him have by himself yep 
So we hope that was helpful. Uh, continue to send your honesty box questions to getting grown podcast at gmail.com. Um, sis, again, it's all with love. Keep us updated and congratulations on everything. We hope the wedding is beautiful. I'm sure it will be. And we hope everything works out and turns out the way that it needs to. Let's move straight on to the parade of petty. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. All right, let's get to the petty. Um, I have been trying to be diligent in the gym. I'm tired of holding my stomach in, and it is too hot for Spanx. <laughs> uh, my petty peeve is gym-related on today. Um, and I don't really know. I don't really have a fancy buildup <laughs> or anything like that. I will just say that. Why are people so creepy? <laughs> I hate gym creeps. I really Ooh. wish that we all could just be in the gym and be about our business of personal fitness in whatever mm. ways that we choose to, you know, realize our fitness goals. I wish that, you know, niggas wouldn't stand over you and ask stupid questions. I wish that niggas wouldn't tap you when you're in the middle of your workout and you like literally mm. focus and in the zone and, and trying to get, you know, wherever you were trying to go. <laughs> I wish niggas wouldn't ask you questions. Well, like, I don't know. Like, what is that? I wish they'd stop offering to show you workouts. Like, like, shut up. I've stopped offering to train me. Just, just, just leave me alone. Just mm. leave me alone. And stop taking over more than one machine. Like, I know you got a little circuit you doing and you got to use, you bounce it from one ad machine to the next. You cannot do that during peak gym hours. If, if you want to have a whole circuit, then you need to go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning when ain't nobody in there but you. But if every, or 11 p.m. Right. If everyone is in the gym, like, you know, at 6 a.m. right before work, or if everyone's in the gym at 6 p.m. right after work, you don't get to have all five of the leg machines at your leisure. And we all not going to stand here and wait for you to finish your circuit. I'm so sorry, ma'am, sir. No, <laughs> I'm not. Yo, they're, they're like toddlers. Like, it's mine. No, I'm playing with all of these at the same time. It's like, no, no, nigga. One at a time. You can literally only use one machine at a time. Like, leave me alone. Like, take some breaths or do some stretching in between while I'm doing my sets. But we're going to rotate here in this public gym that we all pay to be in. Yes. See, this is why I stay fat. Because I can't <laughs> do it. Yeah, that's my petty peeve, man. Stop being stop being gym, gym creeps. Stop lurking and hovering over me. And then stop thinking that you're going to commandeer all the machines and I'm going to wait for you to finish. I'm not. You're you going to be mad. You're going to be mad with me. I have two petty peeves. One of them is a now a piggyback off of yours. Okay. And then the other one is the original one that I had. Um, Because you say stop being gym creeps. Just stop being creeps. Mm. Like, niggas act like they ain't never seen ass before. And that shit is super annoying. Like, 
Okay. It's hot outside. It is 100 degrees. Okay. My cake is melting. I have to keep putting my potato salad in the cooler so that nobody gets food poisoning. And I have to run around back and forth. I need to be able to wear a light airy romper without you opening your funky ass mouth and saying anything to me about my physique. And niggas act like you, you've spent your whole life looking at ass, my nigga. You, you have ass. <laughs> You have ass and hips, and you have the gall to open your mouth and say something to me. Stop acting like you ain't never seen no ass before. And I got so irritated on Saturday. I had on a romper, and I'm running around. And every time I pass the nigga, it's, oh, shit, look at that. Look at that. And it's somebody tapping their friend. It's somebody saying something to me. It's five Jamaicans saying something <laughs> to me. I don't want to hear it. I'm tired of it. And I really got tired of it when I literally... To the moment where we un- were unloading shit and I was at my doorstep unlocking my door, a nigga rolled his window down and said something to me on the street. And all I could all I could do is just be like, shut the fuck up and get out of here. I don't have anything else for you. So that's a piggyback off of yours because that's annoying and niggas need to stop. And I know we touched on it last week, but it continues to be annoying. Mm-hmm. But my real petty peeve was for is for um bad parents oh boy and i feel like i'm in a place where i can speak on this you know what i'm saying because i have a school age i have whatever you want to call her at this point i just age child who i understand like she sees other kids she gets excited she wants to go play she gets involved but i make sure that i have some sort of communication with the parents whether it's like a reassuring eye like no it's cool or whatever you know what I'm saying? So we had the party in the park this weekend. And I was super irritated. Like we had little game set up, little golf set up for the kids, like all kinds of stuff. Hula hoops, jump ropes. So, and there was a splash pad close. So this lady decides she's going to come set up shop like right by us. Like there are other places, but she decides she's going to set up shop right Petty. there. With like 13 of her niggas. Petty. And like seven of them were her nigg- nigglets. Petty. So... All of her children decide they're going to come over after they clearly have been in a splash pad. Because, you know, you know, you know us as a people, when we be out in a splash pad or in the pool all day, we come back with a hint of gray. You know what I'm saying? Fifty shades. (laughs) Myself included. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Myself included. Like, we come back, you know what I'm saying? Hair be puffy. Like, we just be looking like, you know, we ain't had no mothers for a little bit. So the kids come. They start coming over. Can I have a flower crown? Can I have some candy? God, they you know I would have them. lost all sis, of my. Sis. You know I can't take it, and I am quick to say something to somebody else's child. It's a wonder that the mamas don't fight me down because I'm always asking a little little person where they're supposed to be. I just knew. Can you have a flower that. crown? Can you can you get out of here, please? I don't know you, and you don't know my kid. Get go, like. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of people are like, they're just kids. Yeah, they're just kids and it's fine. But your mother, my real irritation, my real petty peeve is with your raggedy ass mother who I'm sitting up here and I look up at and she's watching the whole thing go down. And not once does she come over here and say, come, come back to our area. Get back over here. Like, leave those people alone. Not once does she intervene in any form or fashion to the point where I'm not put in an awkward position where I got to get your kids and tell them to get out of here when they're really just being kids. But you should know better. And you see them picking up the little golf 
the what are the little golf clubs, little plastic golf okay. clubs, and they're hitting each other with them, and they're throwing my kids' balls. Like, like it. get out of here! You know that shit don't belong to your kids. So tell your kids to come back over to your area. So you know, don't give me nothing about kids being kids. Like I get all of that, and I understand children are going to be children, but my irritation be with them parents. You need to make sure you have some sort of communication, whether it be a reassuring head nod. You know what I'm saying? If you give me a nigga, what's up? If you give me like it's all good, give me a you know a hand motion, or even come over and walk up to me be like, is every you know my kids? I'm so sorry about the, something. Yeah, they don't have no home training, and it irritates the, it irritates the life out of me. I completely <laughs> so, agree. I was so at one point I was like, yo, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, and my whole all these people are at this party are getting ready to see me. Cause your mother's getting ready to come over here and say something crazy to me. I can already feel it by the way she's looking at me. She wasn't looking at me like, Are my I'm so sorry my kids are bothering you. She was looking at me like, I dare you to say something to my kids. I want smoke. Oh, okay. And I'm looking at her like, yo, if you don't get your kids, I gotta match this. I gotta match. You know what I'm saying? We was literally like two lionesses in the jungle, like staring each other down. Cause I'm like, yo, get your kids out of here before I get your kids out of here. And then I get you out of here. And I don't want to do that in front of my guests. So don't piss me off. Because I mean, if smoke so, is what you want, that can be arranged. Beloved. Baby, I got, I got, I got lighter fluid and one of them big ass lighters for the barbecue grill. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Mm. I bought these jump ropes and these hula hoops for these kids, but please don't think that I don't fight dirty and I'm going to pick this shit up and get your ass with it. I'm going to whoop your kids in front of you with this jump maybe, rope. Maybe the Lord <laughs> kept me in D.C. for a purpose. I'm not whoop your kids. I'm going to whoop you in front of mm, your kids with this. Mm, mm, mm. Not whoop your kids. I'm not touching nobody's kids. But well, <laughs> anyway. Yes, that, that's concluding. That was my pretty <laughs> piece this week. That's concluding <laughs> another episode. A wholesome and and pure and Christian episode of the Getting Grown podcast with Jaden Kia, where we discuss all things, you know, purity. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and checking us out. We we love you guys so much. Thanks for all the support. Um, Absolutely, all the time. Totes my goats. Welcome to the summertime. We out here. Um, Sis, do we have any announcements? Okay, yes. Women Evolve is coming. Yes. I'm going to be in Denver, July the 13th. Please come and sit yes, with you me. Are. Um, don't have me down to the Women Evolve by myself. Shout out to everybody not. who has sent me a message, a DM, a comment, and saying that you're excited and you're going to come. I'm so excited. Um, um, I will also, I mean, I guess I can share the God is not going to play me. T-shirts are going to be available for purchase at the Women Evolve Conference. Um, And, you know, they will also be available online. So we're out here making moves. Um, Check us out. Jade and I are also going to be at Reed Temple AME Church on July 21st doing a session on adulting 101. We're going to do the ABCs of adulting. We're going to talk. We're going to go through the alphabet and talk about all of the ways that adulting is hard, but we got to do it. Um, Absolutely. And we're going to have a good time. So come come see, see us. us. The registration link will be in the description box of this for this episode will also be, you know, in my Instagram bio and on Twitter and all that stuff. We'll make sure that you have it. If you're in the DMV area, please come Same. and check us out. Um, we're hoping to have a wonderful time there, Reed Temple. Shout out to everyone who weighed in on my poll this weekend. The people don't 
Yeah, some of those shady ass posts. <laughs> but you voted, so I didn't feel bad. <laughs> I didn't I feel you. bad. There are people. I would say that a good 10% of those who commented believe that you are going to abstain from using profanity in the house of the Lord. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see which way it goes. Having been with you in the house of the Lord and experienced you cursing there. Wow. With, it was I understand accident. that. All of the times. It was all of accident. the times. I totally believe that. I'm not at all doubting that. I'm just saying that I've experienced it. So my inclination is to believe that it's going to happen again. In which case, we will continue to love you and, and <laughs> you know, just... And just never no, no, invite no, me back. No, you'll definitely be invited <laughs> back. Um, it's all in good fun. You know, Jesus hung out with, with all kinds of people, people who curse, the disciples curse, Peter curse all the time. You know what I'm saying? He did. Nobody's he mad. Did. But yeah. Um, I'm going to try very hard, my hardest guys. And I just, it's not a church conference, but it's, it's a, yeah, a, it's a leadership yeah, conference. It's held at the church. It's sponsored yeah. by the church. We're going to be talking um, about it. So don't think about the cut. We're not about to be, I'm not about to. No, no, no. There won't nothing. be any of that uh, for any of us. <laughs> no. Actually, we're going to be talking about all kinds of things. It's just about professional development, personal development. And the theme of the conference is navigating transition in your life. And we're going to be talking about the transitions that happen in and throughout adulthood uh, or adulting as we, as we like to call it. So please come and see us. At Reed Temple, if you're in the DMV area, it's going to be much, much like our live show, but without the trash. <laughs> um, right. We're going to yes. be we're going to be just as petty, though. Our petty, our oh, petty absolutely. is welcome in the house of the Lord. It it's is deserved. It's deserved. <laughs> um, and then also, Kia and I will have you know we, we're gonna we're getting some things together so that we can come see you guys Indeed. in person. So um, we'll have those announcements coming soon. And then the book oh, club. Yes. So we've chosen a we book. We have. Um, for July. We have. It's Roxanne Gate, right? All right. Yes. Let me make sure I get the title right. I don't want to mess it up. We're going to be reading for the book of, uh, of for the book. We're going to be reading for the month of July. <laughs> I think. Hold on. Hold on. I'm pulling up to make sure. I think it's. Um, writing. We're, yes, we are going to be reading. Difficult Women. It is a collection of stories of rare force and beauty, of hard scrabble lives, passionate loves, and quirky and vexed human connection. Um, it's, a, it's a book of uh, short stories, I believe, but it's going to be by our good homie Roxane Gay. It's 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 reviewed very well by um, yes. popular outlets, and we're going to talk about it on Getting Grown. So. Difficult Women by Roxane Gay. Get your copies. We got all of your recommendations and we took them under uh, consideration. We're trying to build up, I guess, you know, um, uh, we were trying to be strategic, I guess, in how we select the books and the order that we select them. So your your suggestions were not ignored at all. If, if, it, if it wasn't this no. month, selection it may be uh, a selection later on in the year so please kick it with us let's read difficult women and have a good time this is ongoing so show sure you're right uh in the meantime it's really hot outside so make sure you drink your water like don't forget to do it i mean please multiple liters a day 
continue to mind your business because that's also very, very important and to moisturize because your black will do what, sis? It will crack if it's dry. That's it. All right, y'all. Later. Bye. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.